Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a very interested man by the name of Sam and or Bill. And, sorry, and he's going to talk about patterns. He's going to talk about law. He's going to give us the insight that we all need to know when we have that mad, crazy idea in the kitchen or in the shower. And we decide, yes, that'd be a great invention. Could I pattern it? Could I not? Where would I stand? And Sam's going to tell us all about it and what it has to know. So nice to have you here today, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Okay. Before we just jump in that, for the people listening, do not forget to subscribe, follow, and like and share. So how did you get into the industry of patterns? We like to call it a profession. <laughs> Sorry, profession. <laughs> uh, but it, it's fairly random, I guess. I was a, a nerdy kind of scientist. I did physics at, at uh, university and then uh, started looking around for a job. I wanted something that was interesting that would sort of combine my knowledge of science with something a bit more than that and I stumbled across the patent profession and it's quite a sort of old, in those days anyway the training was quite a sort of old-fashioned thing where you sat at the corner of the desk of a so-called chartered patent attorney and then you sat some professional exams and they always used to say that the, the uh, pass rate in the exams was related to the death rate of older guys. Oh, dead man's shoes. Yeah, a bit yeah, like that. We but had that in the military in certain professions. It's kind of, it's changed radically since then. It's much more organised and uh, it's um, a very interesting field to be in because you, you, you meet, if you like scientific things, you meet lots of very, very interesting people who have been innovating, ranging from completely mad through to absolute geniuses. <laughs> But then I, some people would say that the completely geniuses are actually mad because they think it's like, it's like the Wright brothers, I believe it's the Wright brothers, thinking about flying. And other people say, what do you mean you can be flying? You can't fly, man. You're but absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're kind of different categories. There's uh, the sort of amazing genius working in his garage or her garage, coming up with stuff. And then there's the sort of corporate inventors and a, you know, a big legion of them working away for the, the big technology corporations, um, making mobile phones or computers and so on, who are making very small innovative steps. And the approach of the big corporations is to patent each and every of those little steps. So they've got a minefield of patents to keep the competition out of the way. Okay. But is it the smaller person who you find usually comes with something resolutionary? Well, it's usually more interesting because it's usually a sort of David and Goliath type situation where there's a big corporation maybe ripping off the uh, ideas of an unsung genius who's been working out something in his garage. So mm. it's, uh, those kind of cases I always really used to enjoy. Okay. What's the craziest pattern that someone's come up with that you just thought that's never going to work or? Well, it, often they're things that never get to being patented. I, I remember having a, a guy who came into my office and he put a cornflakes box on the, uh, the desk and said, what do you think that is? I said, it's a cornflakes box. And then he, he ripped it open and I'd realised that he, to save paper, he'd done all his drawings on the inside of the cornflakes box, which is just grey, un, unprinted material. So it's a, a convenient... Um, convenient surface for him to do his drawings on and his drawing was 
his drawing was for an aircraft that had an electric motor at the front driving a propeller and back at the, the tail end of it it had a windmill that was generating electricity that was driving the electric motor at the front end. Okay. And I had to explain to him that that was a perpetual motion machine and would never work. So I said to him, do, do you, this won't, won't, won't um, comply with uh, Newton's laws of physics. And he said, to, well, Newton was wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm getting, I'm two, I take two things for that. First things is that when you do a pattern, you don't have to actually had to have invented it yet. You could just do a sketch. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it has to be plausible. Okay. You don't actually have to have built it. And the second thing is, do you say, what did you say to him? Because my take would have been, well, go away and make it then and come back if it worked. Well, mine was a bit more subtle than that. I said, uh, and remember, this is a hundred seat aeroplane. You could see all the little faces at the windows that he'd drawn down the body <laughs> of the plane. <laughs> go on. And he said, I said, imagine if he's sitting on the runway at Heathrow Airport and it's a still day, there's no wind. How does it take off? And what did he and say? He looked at me and he said, can't you see? And I said, well, no, I can't. He said, it's obvious, isn't it? And this is, remember, this is a hundred seat aeroplane. He said, you pick it up and throw it. And <laughs> 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 what did you say? Security! <laughs> more, more or less. I think I said I've got a train to catch. That's a, that's a, that's, excuse me, that's a sketch because that's like a Monty Python sketch. It is a bit. Hey, everybody, hang on now. <laughs> it's a big hand come out of nowhere. <laughs> throw everybody down the street. Okay. That's an interesting one. That's yeah. an interesting one. So you, but it's normally it's a, a process of meeting the inventor, working out what they've done and then writing it down in a legal way that um, provides legal protection for the invention. And then the, the application is filed at the patent office and there are patent office examiners who uh, review the disclosure of your patent application and take a view about whether the idea is in your. And so that's uh, a whole area of debate and argument and uh, mm. there's a lot of sort of esoteric discussion goes on between the, the patent attorney on behalf of his client and the uh, patent office examiner. So you started off as a patent in the patent profession, then you went into law. Well, it's two and the same, really. Mm. So my my sort of professional qualification is patent attorney. To become a patent attorney, you need to have a technical background because you you need to understand all the, the technicalities of mm. the inventions, okay. and you also need to know about the intellectual property law, which is mm. the, f the fancy name for the law about patents and trademarks mm. and designs. What have you learnt from the, your extensive career that you wish you knew when you had started? I think to, to be a bit more assertive about your own views about whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> so a lot of people tell you you're wrong all the time. And the, so you have to say what you're saying there, you have to be more like st stand by what you believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. in, in what you're reading of all the things about the invention and what's been done before and everything and believe in your own analysis because everyone else will tell you something different. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So, um, what would you say to your 16 year old self? To my 16 year old self? Yeah. Start shaving, I think. <laughs> okay, well that's, that's fair enough if you're graying hair at that time, at that age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have, have you been p part of I'm not, any ideas where you... No, actually, sorry, before I get into that, explain the process. So someone's come to you with design. Yeah. Now, I had an interview one time where this guy said he had a mentor, an old Chinese guy, who, mm -hmm. who's, who's big into patterns. Right. And he would say, listen, what you do, you look at someone, what someone's invented and you make it better. Now, can you pattern something along those lines? Yes, definitely. Most inventions are improvements. It's rare for a, a really blue sky invention to come along. They do come along. And there's quite a good number of them are devised here in the UK. We've got enough madcap inventors to do that kind of stuff. But as I was saying earlier, there's a, quite a lot of people who are looking at a particular product and thinking, how can I make that a bit better? And that can either be the company itself that makes the product, or it can be competitors who are thinking, how can I get a lead on them? Mm -hmm. And then the idea is to capture the intellectual property with that new improvement idea through a patent. And uh, then get a commercial advantage. Because patents are commercial tools. They're not some academics think of them being like scientific papers, but they're, they're not really. And the test all the time is, is the invention new? And that requires searching to see what's been done before and taking a view about whether the, the patent claims, which are special clauses in the patent document, define the novelty sufficiently well over what's been done before. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. So I've had, when I was in the military, we have a term called bastardise. So we get a, issued a piece of kit and bastardising it is basically making it work for you. Mm -hmm. So you, you might get someone to sew something on there or you, you learn to use it in a certain way. Mm. But it came up with the idea, I came up with the idea that actually you could pattern quite a few of the stuff that we do. Right. And put it to like military companies yeah. to start producing or produce the product yourself in the way that we need it yeah, because obviously we know what we needed on the ground and um, and it was things like that but yeah that's that's why I asked that question yeah well it depends how obvious it is what one of the legal requirements of a patentable invention is not only is it got to be different from what's been done before but it's got to be inventive and not be obvious in view of what's been done before. So for example, if you decided that the <coughs> camouflage cover for one of your bits of kit wasn't a very good design of camouflage mm -hmm. and you decided to change the colour from orange and green to blue and green, mm -hmm. that probably wouldn't be patentable because it's not much of a change and it's something that someone who might be considered as a skilled person in that field would mm -hmm. want to do. But if you decided that the, the cover could be completely omitted and replaced by a hologram, then that probably would uh, be an inventive step. So what about if you had a reversible 
It's like just a piece of cloth, but it's two different camera flies. So one for the desert, one for the jungle. Mm. And so you just pull it over your helmet for if you're in the desert. Yeah. And then take it off and re put it inside out for if you're in the jungle. That's not subject to pattern. You'd, you'd need a really good pattern attorney to. <laughs> <laughs> to, to hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more into your crazy pattern. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the crazies, yeah. do you have people so, who so just. There it is. I mean, you'd have to say, would it have been an obvious thing to have done? And on the one hand, you could say, well, you know, they're both known. Uh, just putting them in the same piece of kit is an obvious thing to do. Or you could say, someone who's been wandering around for, for days in the desert wouldn't think about what they're going to be doing in the jungle. I can see arguing that both ways, but that's uh, not me applying yeah. my professional skills to the problem. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, is there a right or wrong answer to that? I don't know. If you could do it all again, yeah. would you change anything? And w would you stay in the same profession? I was very happy with... I mean, you're always looking over your shoulder and thinking of other things you could do, but no, I was very happy in the profession. I really enjoyed it. Met some amazing people and uh, basically good fun. Okay, that's good. What would be your advice to somebody who's leaving school who wants to get into the industry that you've been in? Well, just go to the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys or the European Patent Attorney Association, which is, which is in Munich, which I'm also a member of, and just talk to them. There's loads of stuff on their website about how to progress. There's, a lot of very, very good firms here in London and also around the country. So, there, and there are plenty of opportunities. So it's, it's interesting during periods of recession. It, historically, that's the time when people try to innovate to get out of the recession. So, there's an awful lot of activity for patent attorneys at times when you, you'd think, oh, you know, economy is a bit flat at the moment. But actually, often it's not the case for patent attorneys because they're busy representing clients trying to develop new ideas to solve the recession. I hear you. So you spoke about having, there's lots of people in England who are into the patent business. Do you have regulars who just show up with ideas all the time? Yeah, but they're mainly the sort of the volume filers of patent applications that are, tend to be the corporations, the high-tech corporations. corporations computer companies, telecoms companies, um, a lot of people working with artificial intelligence these days, mm -hmm. applications for that. Mm -hmm. And then of course all the drug companies with the you know, developments for COVID, as you've yeah. probably seen on the news, there's been a dispute between uh, Moderna and uh, Pfizer over their patents on that. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very active field. Um, you've got to be a bit geeky, but if you are, then it's it's good. If you're geeky and smooth at the same same time, it's a perfect combination. <laughs> okay, those are the cats. Are you describing yourself as geeky well. and smooth? <laughs> 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 Nothing like support from the wife. <laughs> I noticed no one ever asked what the wife did. Okay, so, so right, let's let. The okay, so the wife is. Well, I'm getting told off here now. <laughs> Sally's telling me off. So, Sally, what did you? What do you do for industry? Um, I was the deputy headmistress of the school. Okay, okay. And how did you find that? I loved it. Loved it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Just 
And I've got a question for both of you. You can both answer this. How has your industry changed from when you started to where you are now? And do you think it's changed for the better? And if so, how? And if not, how? Why? Okay. Well, my, mine has changed from being Edwardian to much, much more European and um, generally better organised and a bit bigger. So I think for the better. You. I suppose you're sorry just to jump in there I suppose mm. your industry with the birth of computers must become a lot easier because people can just send in designs um, and stuff I don't know I, I suppose so yeah I mean communication generally is better in all kinds of ways isn't it because of uh, internet and um, mm. all of that okay but, um, and yeah, but listen, you can't you can't beat meeting a, a strange inventor in a room Okay. With a, a brain the size of a planet, but the portal in and out is about the size of a two-inch pipe. <laughs> okay. And Sally, how's the teaching industry gone to how it used to be? Oh, um, infinitely improved. Certainly with the onset of computers and information, I think children have a much better chance and um, much better life experiences. Uh, what about their behaviour? Because people, it's the older generation always says the next generation's the worse. <laughs> well, you know, I think behaviour has a lot to do with the teaching staff. And if, um, if you have good teachers, then you have good behaviour. Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't be doing the job if you can't cope with the so I, I like that in your position that you can recognise that and after all your experience that you can recognise the teachers should be in control. Yeah, they should be in control and the children should respect them. And children are very good at sniffing out these weaknesses and you, you really do need to stand up to them and not be, not be frightened of them. And I think that's the sad thing about the world today that we seem to have become scared of children's voices. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of the journey. We thank you for the interview. Much appreciated, Sam and Sally. <laughs> and we wish you well in your future endeavours in life. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episodes.